0: Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast series, Through the Bible in a Year, where we come together for daily reading and reflection as we journey through the scriptures. Let's dive into today's episode with Pastor Chris Miller. But it amazes me how the Bible has layer after layer and you just peel it off. You go back to the same text, but it says something different. It hasn't changed, but we always do. And God is always on time. He always knows exactly what we need. And so I really enjoy uh, jumping in with you on this, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity. And I pray that the passages that we read, they will be familiar. But I pray that we won't miss the wonderful because it is so familiar. So with that in mind, our text today, your memory verse, is from the book of Mark, chapter 4. I'd like to read the, the entire text around that leading up to it. And then I pray that God will just do a work in our hearts. That sound okay to everyone? All right. Do you? It's okay, I forgot to ask Chris, sometimes we have someone else read the text. You hadn't planned for that today, correct? All right, so I'll look out at you and I'll read. Mark chapter number four, verse number 11, we'll set the passage up and then we'll end with our memory verse. He said to them, to you is given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, everything is said in parables. Then he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are those beside the path where the word is sown. But when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word which was sown in their hearts. And others likewise are seeds sown on rocky ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves. And so endure for a little while. Afterward, when affliction or persecution rises for the word's sake, Immediately they fall away. And others are seeds sown among the thorns, the ones who hear the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering, entering in choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And here's your memory verse. Still others are seeds sown on good ground, those who hear the word and receive it and bear fruit. Thirty, sixty, are a hundred times as much. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the privilege to gather in your presence today. We know that you have already worked to bring us to this place. You're already working in our hearts and lives. And so we pray now that you will bring your word to life and that through it, you would speak to each of our hearts. Lord, you know us, you love us, and we just pray that whatever you see in our hearts and lives that needs to be addressed, that you will give us the ability to see it, to hear your voice, to know your will, and then trust you enough to follow it this morning. As your people do, bless, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. i want to put that right there and grab this little guy here and do my best. It's a little different format that I'm used to. And so if I forget something, just ignore me. Well, let me ask you this. Do any of you enjoy mysteries, whether it's a book that you read or, or movies? Uh, I'm old. You know, my mind went crazy when I started thinking about today. Uh, one of my favorite series is Indiana Jones. Do any of y'all even know? Well, he has a new movie, right? He went for Raiders of the Lost Ark and then they were looking for these hidden treasures oh, I love that stuff and you can look uh, every genre, kids, adults uh, old people, whatever, people love a good mystery where they go and they find great treasure and it changes their lives, it's not just true on the big screen, it's true in books you could probably list your favorite book when you were a kid and, 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 and mysteries and treasure hunters and all kinds of things and that just seems to be part of the way that we're I think there's something in hi- inside us that movie makers and book writers have tapped into. There's something maybe God put there, the, the, the desire to just know the unknown, the desire to find some, something wonderful and buried hidden treasures. One, one of the themes that follows on a regular basis. Well, as we look about our, to our text this morning, what if I were to tell you that there is an ancient secret that has been hidden through the generations intentionally hidden that God is going to unlock for you today that holds the potential for vast wealth for treasure beyond your wildest imagination and it's waiting for you if you will simply take the key God reveals and apply it would you be interested today anybody any takers on that what if God said, listen, it's not just a, a fictional story. I'm fixing to unlock a door of eternity and let you peek inside and let you see something that has been hidden through the ages. But I'm going to give you the secret today and the potential, our memory verse. Why choose this verse? This verse says, listen, God has something in store for us beyond any movie maker's imagination as wild as that may be and any any fiction writers uh, uh musings as crazy and wonderful as that may be god says i w- i have something that has the potential to unlock in you a return 30 fold or 60 fold or maybe a hundred fold vast wealth if you're willing to hear it and receive it my question for you is are you willing to do that today are you willing to listen Would you raise your hand, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly and say, Lord, sign me up. That's what I want. I don't want to just come to church and mark off another Sunday and walk away and say, it was a nice little service. I got to see. I want to leave changed. I want to find that treasure. I want to tap into that which only God can do. That is our story. That is our text. And so let me just kind of break it down to some simple things. Um, Number one, I want to talk to you for just a moment about the parable itself. Uh, there is something in here that's kind of amazing. Uh, Jesus actually said in the verses that we read, I think verse 13, he said, if you don't understand this parable, you're not gonna understand any other. Now, that's pretty wild. I'd never noticed it before. But he said, listen, you who claim to be children of God, if you don't get this, most of the other aspects of Christian living just kind of fall by the wayside. It doesn't mean that they're null and void. It just means that they're not operative for your life. You're going to miss them. You got to. This is foundational truth that sets the stage for a lot of other of God's truths to work in our lives. So it's important, right? All right. Number two, a parable is a story that has one primary message. All right. There are some people who like they like to take a parable and they break it down and and they see this this and this and this and this and they make it say anything they want it to say. But biblically, it is a story that is told intentionally to bring to pass one primary truth. So, again, we find Jesus saying, if you miss this truth, you miss a lot of others. The idea of a parable is there's one primary message. So as we look at our text and find this particular parable, we find it emphasized in one other aspect, and then we'll move on. Three of the four gospel writers tell this story. Repeat this parable. So when you have three out of four of the gospels that emphasize something, God is saying, pay attention. Are you awake this morning? Is anybody asleep yet? Anybody no, nobody yawning. Okay, good. Don't miss this. Pay attention to it. And as we look at the text, there are a lot of ideas. So i to just kind of clear this out. It won't take but a second. Clear this out of the way. A lot of ideas about what it means. Parables sometimes can be confusing. Okay, you read them and say, what in the world does that mean? That's not actually surprising. Because when Jesus spoke to his disciples, the interpretation that we're going to look at in just a moment, he says, most people that hear this are not going to understand it. And it's kind of like, well, why not? And he'll explain that. He said, this isn't for everybody. This isn't for the world. It's kind of like, all of you look so nice this morning. You're smiling. You're looking polite, like you're listening real well. But I know what happens about halfway through mine or Pastor Chris's sermons. You smile and you're doing this. And you're saying, wow, what are we going to have for lunch today? Uh, what are we, we going to do this week? You know, you just kind of, you on the outside, you look good, but on the inside, you've done checked out. Can you imagine Jesus, master teacher, God in human flesh, teaching a multitude of people, and they're all going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And when he gets through, he tells his disciples, they didn't have a clue what I was talking about. You know, when they get home, little boy asks, Daddy, what did that mean? And Daddy says, uh, 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 uh. I don't know. It, it, it just, it, I find it totally comical that they would, a mass of people would sit there and not have a clue what's going on. But then I got to thinking a lot of times that's what happens in my sermons. People say, oh, great job, Brother Darby. When they get home, say, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. So I hope that doesn't happen today. That was what was happening then. The multitude didn't get it. And then Jesus said, but unto you, this parable is going to be unlocked and it will have meaning. Now, the significance of that is this, the idea, I believe that there are some people who read this and say, this is the way you get to heaven. This is the way you get right with God. You take the seed, you water the seed, you do this. But if you do this, you don't get it. If you do this, you lose it. I mean, you get everything in the world and it's so confusing, so distorted. And yet, isn't that what Jesus said would happen? Everybody would read it and they'd have their own ideas, but they'd just be clueless to what it really means. I, I can only give you opinion, and I will tell you that up front. But I think the key is when Jesus looked at these people, said it wasn't for them. There are going to be many ideas through the years and just expect it. It's okay. But this is for you. This is for you. But unto you is given the word of the kingdom. Unto you is this mystery revealed. Unto you is the secret presented. So I personally believe that instead of addressing the crowds and being a way to get to heaven, that he was addressing to those who already knew him and was unveiling to them the principles by which the kingdom would work in their lives if they would but receive it. I think this was given to save people. Now, there are applications. You can take a lot of them and they may not be wrong, but I think it's primarily written to children of God. So with that being said, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, this is for you and me. If you don't, the number one need in your life is to trust him as your personal savior. He is the, the truth that unlocks all other truth. And so Jesus was speaking to his and said, let me talk to you. Now, that's what a parable is. And that's what they're talking about in our text. Let me push my little button here and find out what's going on on. It really helps when you turn it on, doesn't it? Works a whole lot better. So do we. All right. Now, with that in mind. Let me talk about the parts, and and this is important, and then we're going to spend most of our time leading up to the treasure itself. There are three parts, three primary parts of our parable. Number one is the sower, right? In all the different scriptures, there's the sower. Now, he doesn't go into a lot of detail. I think because he figures we can figure that out on our own. The sower is God. The sower is that person who distributes the word, the truth, the seed. The sower in this particular instance was Jesus. It would later be the Holy Spirit working through men that God called to write his, his, his inspired word, but the bottom line, the sower is is God himself or his agencies that own, that have, that know what the seed is, that know where the seed goes, that has the master plan of gardening, that knows what they want to produce in the harvest, and that is God. So God will see to it that we, his children, that we get what we need. So he's the sower in our text. Number two, there is the seed. I will get back to that because that's what we're going to focus on in just a moment. But then number three, again, I'm a little bit warped and I really enjoyed this. The real emphasis of this parable is the dirt. OK, he says, I want to talk to you about dirt. I want to talk to you about soil. And he says, there's the there's the rocky and there's the hard and there's the fertile. And 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 he says, you're the dirt. OK, you're the soil. And the significant part of this passage, he's telling his children, he says, I want to just kind of give you a metaphor in your life. You're some kind of dirt. So Don, not they've never preached this in 40 something years. I get to tell all God's children, you're dirt. All right. Uh, you're the dirt in our story today. The real question, the, the sower stayed the same. The seed stayed the same. The real question was how the dirt would receive it. So God is the same. His word is the same. But every single one of us is going to benefit differently today based on what we are willing to let him through his word do in our lives. Does that make sense? All right. So for everybody here, you say, Brother Darby, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't understand a lot of the word of God. There's just so much all you gotta be is dirt. Can everybody be dirt today? Raise your hand if you can be dirt. All right. I can be dirt. I can be dirt for Jesus. And when I'm the right kind of dirt, he does what only he can do. Now, never will you find dirt bragging. Okay. You're not going to find dirt saying, woo, I changed the world. Woo, I fed all these people. Woo, I produced this harvest. Dirt's just dirt. It's the sower. It's the seed that produces things that change worlds. Dirt just gets to be a part of the process, right? So you don't have to be great. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to have it all figured out. Dirt doesn't have to know much of anything. You just gotta be dirt, the right kind of dirt. And that's what the primary emphasis of our parable was. God says, I wanna talk to you about how to unlock all that God is and can do in your life. And if you can figure that out, the treasure that awaits is beyond your wildest imagination. So we see the parable, we see the parts. Let's talk for just a minute now about what we'll call the perils, all right? There are some warnings that are given in our text. So let's just, it might be the lost people. If you're lost, then you need Jesus. That is the warning that he always emphasizes. But if you are saved today, and if he's talking to us, his children, he says, let me talk to you about different kinds of dirt. Now, we know we're different. Look around. The person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, we all different. Skills, ages, perspectives. But there are some things that we all have in common. And every one of us, every one of us can relate to the kind of description that God gives us. The first dirt, the first type of soil that he gives us, he says, very simply, he says, the, the, the sower comes and the seed is sowed and it's thrown on the ground by the wayside by like a hardened path. But before it can even do anything, it talks about Satan. Uh, it was actually the birds come, but he says the birds, Satan's just a bird. Okay, Jesus, that's who he is in the story. But, but Satan comes and he just takes that seed away and it doesn't produce anything. Now, it would very easily for those people who would to suggest this has to do with salvation, that would be a great application, at least in this instance. You may hear about Jesus today and be all really thinking about trusting Jesus but if you don't trust him, chances are Satan will distract you and lead you elsewhere and you'll leave without him today. So that, that's a great application, not the primary, but if it's true, pay attention. But again, it's to us. So what could it possibly mean to children of God when God says, let me warn you of this kind of dirt, this kind of soil? There are some people that are just like a, a well-trodden path. The word is spread. The word is, is sown. But before it can even take root, the, the devil comes in. He just grabs it, runs away with it, and there's nothing ever produced. What can that possibly mean? What, what peril is he talking about? What danger awaits your life and mine? Well, I'll just kind of lay it like this. I think the first one just speaks about a hard heart that literally never, ever gets to the point that the word of God will find its place. Uh, let me put it like this: Do you find yourself when you hear a sermon? Are you listen to the word of God or you read the word of God? When God says something, that your instant response is, "Hmm, I don't know. Let me think about that," and then you. Th- go to work with your reasoning, your understanding, and you figure out whether God's good and whether his word is appropriate and whether that's a good idea for your life. And then you make the call. I'll do that. Nah, that's just not for me. I'm oh, not right now. Nah, I don't think that'll work. And you actually find yourself just relying on your intellect and your logic to determine what is best for you. Is there anybody here that has done that by any chance? Maybe i to ask this, is there anybody here who doesn't do that? Am I the only sinner in the bunch? Yeah, God says, do this. And we say, well, wait a minute, Lord, I don't know about it. And we start questioning, right? Solomon, the wisest man of the Old Testament, God said, he wrote a passage that most of you can quote. He says, lean not under your own understanding. All right. Proverbs chapter three. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he says, lean not under your own understanding. The word lean is the idea of leaning on a pole for support. And he says, we have the tendency when we see a choice before, us so or we hear the word of God to default back to what do I think about this? And then depending on what I think and how I evaluate what God has said, I will either do what makes sense to me or I will say, God, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I think I've got a better plan. Solomon knew that. Follow his life. That's exactly what he did. When he was wise and the entire world came and oohed and awed, it's because he knew who God was and he trusted God and God blessed him. But when he got so smart, he started living life on his terms. And I know you said this, God, but... And I know you asked this of me, God, but, and he started doing all those things himself. What happened? He went from being the smartest guy in the world to the dumbest guy on on the planet. Dumb dirt. That's what he was. Thousand wives and concubines. That's dumb. I mean, that's really dumb. He went from worshiping God to worshiping false idols. He wrote a book. The the title should be what I should have done or what I could have done. We call it the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a bitter old man. He's old. He's all wrinkled. His teeth probably falling out. And he says, oh, life is miserable. Life is empty. Life is terrible. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what happens when you live life on your terms. It will lead us to being bitter and empty and missing what life is all about. That's Solomon. Solomon. Say how could somebody so wise end up so messed up? Well, there come a time in his life that the very peril we're speaking of become a reality for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know God says, but and a hardened heart that responded with intellect rather than trusting God or rather than responding to God, just I think this is best for me. We became our own God, the lie of the garden, and it set the stage for disaster. It happens in your life and mine. So my question, very simply, if God's talking to the dirt, if he's talking to you and me, Is do we, or are we right now in the mode of saying, God, I'm here. So, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And yeah, I've listened to the sermon and that's okay. And God, I'll check these little boxes a week. But when God speaks to your heart, even this morning and says, this is what I have for you. This is what I want for you. This is my word for you. Are you going to say, okay, yes, Lord. Are you going to start the logical process With a heart of intellect, a mind of intellect, and a response of of what's best for me. And you're going to judge God and miss what God is trying to do in your life. Like any good mystery, there's a bad guy. Satan is slipping in, whispering lies, saying you can't trust God. You know, tithing or living or morals. Take your pick, whatever story you want. You can't trust God. You'll be happier if you do it your way. And no one ever has. And no one ever will. Jesus says, this is for you. Okay. God's God. The seed works. But dirt that leans in their own reasoning, that hardened path, it doesn't even take root. It's just not good. There's a second group. Um, and I've got to hurry. There are four soils and we'll end on the last one. The good one, the one that we want to be today. But the second set of soil, uh, the second part of the parable, he says that the seed was sown And for just a little while, it grew. It didn't have much depth. It was uh, in that kind of dirt that was not really prepared properly, but it grew for just a little while. But then the sun came up and it began to scorch it and it just kind of withered away. It, It actually says they received the word. These are they who received the word with gladness. Another text says with joy. They were emotional. Okay. There are some who approach their service to God from an intellectual standpoint of I have to think this through and it has to make sense to me, right? That's, that's dirt number one. There are then those who respond to everything with emotion. Now, is emotion wrong? Go like this. Okay. Guys, we got to work at it. We need to be a little more loving and and whatever. But we need joy and love and, and happiness and all those are emotions God gave us. And there's nothing wrong with them as long as we don't live for the emotion. Right? If you begin to live, I hear all the time, God just wants us to be happy. Oh, he doesn't. Not primarily. He wants us to be Right? And right will eventually produce joy and produce happiness. Happiness is a word that comes from hat, old English word. It means uh, good circumstances. It's great when things are good, right? Oh, I just got saved. Oh, we're going to church. They're the greatest bunch of people, Pastor Chris, in the whole world. They're family. They're loving. They're supportive. Oh, it's so great. That really is cool. I like to watch it. But I always in the back of mind said, uh-oh, uh-oh, please God, don't let them, don't let them, don't let them. But almost inevitably, they find out that the people that were so great maybe aren't quite as great as they thought. Okay. You know what I saw about Pastor Chris? <laughs> he he preaches too long or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you know they were so nice. It was so great, but They don't do this or they do this or they they they, and the devil just comes and whispers and and the sun begins to bear down. And life gets a little bit difficult. The way gets a little bit parched. The the, the tests come. The tests come in your life. I mean, really. Does anyone here not have challenges on a regular basis? A lot of people I know this past year have had a lot of them. some of you having them right now. And when the sun bears down and test, are the roots? Are are we going to stay when things aren't as good and joyful and glad? How are we going to respond? The Bible says there are a lot of people, God's people. He says, under you, this secret is given. Be careful that you're not just fair weather Christians, that you don't just go when everything is doing fine. That you don't trust the Lord when everything is good, but then you say, oh, it ain't no good. I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to put up with that anymore. Do do y'all know what a church hopper is in the States? Chris has got this one down. A church hopper, there may be a different word in Australia. I may be Hope I'm not using anything inappropriate. But anyway, a church opera in English, we pastors use the term for somebody who comes to our church and, oh, we are so glad to be here. We love you. We love this church. Our last one was a dog. The pastor was terrible. The people were mean. And I inevitably want to talk to those people. Here's what I, oh, God bless you. That look, that pastoral look. But inside, I'm thinking, yeah, in about six months, they're going to be saying that about me and us. And that generally is what happens. And then they just kind of, oh, they go to the next church. Yeah, Brother Darby and those other churches are dogs. But oh, y'all. They just hop from church to church looking for that, that, that instant gratification, that joy, that happy, happy. That's not life. You do know that, right? Life is full of moments that take your breath away. But life is also full of moments that absolutely turn your world upside down. And if we're in it for the quick fix or the joy, then Satan will make sure he turns the heat up. And in those moments there will be many who say, I'm going to quit. I can't keep going. This isn't worth it. <laughs> I had a young couple trust the Lord as their Savior when I first started pastoring and they got saved. <laughs> it was comical. They They would be in my office for counseling every week or two. They'd come in and he was saying, I can't put up with this moment anymore, Brother Garvin. she said, I can't live with this animal anymore. And, you know, it, it's, I said, Lord, they're never going to make it. They actually Facebooked me. What do you call it? Messaged me or whatever they call it. That love goes, hey, just want to let you know we're still together. It was just amazing out of nowhere. But in that moment, I remember one thing he said He said, I am tired of this. I'm going back to being lost again. He's the only person <laughs> who's ever said it, but I'll never forget it. And I just looked at him and said, what? He said, yeah, before I got saved, we were great. We were drunk all the time. We never argued. Everything went great. This getting saved stuff is not working out. I have never had it in all my life, since or before anybody say that, but that's what a lot of people think, right? Okay. And what I told him says, how you going to quit? Well, I'm just going to quit being a Christian he says that ain't going to work. You do know what God does with his children who decide they don't like it anymore. He'll just deal with you till you decide you like it more than you thought. Uh, that's the way it works. Uh, but, but, but I said, there's nowhere to go. What are you going to do? And they just stuck with it. And now what? 30, 40 years later, they're still married. They got grandkids. God bless. Kind of like the story of the book of Hebrews. They wanted to quit. Life was tough. But Paul said, where are you going to go? How are you going to quit? It'll just get worse. The devil is deceiving you. And there are many who hear the word of God. They come to church. They think it's great, but they live for the joy. They live for the gladness. They live for the moment. And they miss the mystery, the truth, the treasure. And so when the test comes and the heat is applied, they just disappear. They just back all. It's no fun anymore. And they quit or try. Anybody here like that, been like that, maybe thinking like that? He says, beware, it's a real peril. Number three, number one, soil that is just intellectual. It's hard, to say, but used to doing things our way, and we're just not used, ready to let go of it. Number two, those that love it for a little bit, but they let the emotions drive them to places that they shouldn't go. Number three is a little more difficult. He says, then there is that soil. The sower goes and he sows the seed and it, it's, it's sown on rocky ground. He says it, it, it takes root and it grows up. But before long, there are other things. There are thorns that grow up too and it chokes out the life. I had to do some study on that. I listened to several different sermons. I think Tim Keller kind of gave me some insights from different people as well. And this is what I think, and you, your, your opinion is as good as mine. I think that's probably more of us than the other two categories. And I think it's more common than we'd like to admit. People who know the Lord, they've experienced him. They know how great he is. They, 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 they grow a little bit and they go through a few seasons and things get better in their lives. But then there are the thorns. Other things that are allowed to grow around them that at first look like little things, but they grow and they grow and they grow to where there's a struggle for life. The little new plant just has the life sucked out of it. It's suffocated. It's choked with the desire to live, but being competing with the stuff that's grown up all around them. There are a lot of God's children today that love the Lord and they've experienced God's goodness, but they've allowed other things to stay and remain. And if you're not careful, those things will choke what God is wanting to do in our lives. I could give you a long list, but the goal in the parable is to give you the overall idea. So we'll get back to that. It may be lifestyle, lifestyle, We're living in a world where morals, I've heard (laughs) Pastor Chris speak about this recently in a couple different versions or ways. Brother Darby, you don't understand. I want to keep my immoral relationships and I want to do the things with my friends and I want to fit in with them. And, 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 And they really do. They've been saved. They love the Lord, but they're letting the things from a world that's not of God grow and consume them and draw them to where before long, they live like a, they're living in a constant turmoil, a tug of war between what God wants, what the world wants, and it just chokes the life out of them. It may be the pursuit for, for pleasure or money. It might be lifestyles. It might be a thousand different things. But the bottom line, when Jesus said in Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The these things, whatever it is that makes our life special, may be a relationship, It might be a way of life. Whatever the these things are that we really worship if we're honest about it. That we really want God to give us. And so we're using God to get what we really want rather than really wanting Him first. Does that make sense? The these things, what matters to you? What's most important to you? Not me, but to you. We're all different. But God says the peril is that God will present His Word and the possibilities, experience the incredible. But we'll hang on to so much stuff, pursue it, spend energy on it, that before long we'll just be, we'll sit in church, but we'll be miserable. We'll think about God, but it won't be free and liberating. We'll, we'll, we'll know what God wants to do, but we just won't, we just won't let go of whatever the, these things are in my life. And those thorns, if we're not real, real careful, will just crush us. And I will tell you, as a pastor, I've seen people for decades that have been faithful in church. They've gone to church. They've tried to serve. They sacrificed. And yet they've held on to the things they love, their pride or their money or the desire for whatever. And they're still in church today, but they're just always miserable. Are are you always miserable? Just curious. Not whether your life is always bad. Okay. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But in your heart, regardless of whether it's a good day or a bad day, a Sunday day or rainy, are you just always miserable? Never happy just kind of always torn back and forth. You love church, but you love your other stuff. And you're just trying to walk the fence and you can't do that for a while. If that's you, that's this soil, that's this dirt, that's us. God says, it just won't work. I've got a better life for you than that. And then we go to the final and I'll have to close. The good seed and the good soil. God says, the fourth, and this is where we want you to be. This is how he ended. He says, that seed, oh, it starts so small, Right. See, just a little bitty thing. I mean, what can that seed produce? And yet when you get a seed in the ground, whoa, it multiplies. The potential is significantly bigger than anything that you'd see going in. That little bitty seed has the power to change the soil around it, Right. Have you ever seen a place where it's all rocks or all whatever, but a seed somehow has gotten in the rock and you get a tree growing up in the middle of nothing or something? Oh, seed has incredible power that we never dreamed. God says, listen, the seed is so small. You might think it's so insignificant, but when you let it get there, it starts growing. It starts changing the soil. It starts pushing the stuff back out that's supposed to be on the outside. It starts producing something that you never could have dreamed of. The seed is incredible. Here's where it takes place. That soil, that for soil, is that soil that receives the seed. That soil that is broken up where it can get down deep and and do its job. That soil that, that allows that seed to not only take root, but then produce and grow. That soil is the soil that has the privilege of seeing 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold increase because of what God has done, because the power of that seed. Say, so, okay, Brother Darby, explain. Well, let me see if I can make it simple. The idea uh, often in our lives, we, we want to be the gardener, right? Uh, we, we want to decide, okay, we need this much of this and this much. God, if you'll do this. But God knows exactly what we need. Y'all do know that, Right. Have any of y'all told God this year what you want and your plans for the year already? You know, just laid it out. And if you have, let me ask you this, how's it going? I could answer that. You can tell God your plans any day of the week. God just smiles and says, I'm glad you think so, but I've got something. Would any of you, is David in here this morning? Hey David. Uh, would you have said two years ago, God, I plan to have open heart surgery and boy, I can't wait for the blessings you have in store for me there. That wasn't quite your prayer, right? This was not on the agenda. I'm just finishing up the book of Job. Okay. We're there. My son's probably going to finish the last chapter today. And oh, it ends great. Right. Double the kids. Wow. Rich again, twice as much. Wow. His wife had had 10 more kids. Wow. That's really even great. Okay. I'm warped. God's amazing. But I will tell you this if God had zipped in and recorded this in chapter 42 and said, Job, you know, the last couple of few months or maybe years, uh, all that you've gone through, you see what it's gotten you. You want to, let's do it again. Are you good for that? I don't know. Job might have said, sure, Lord, let's do it. I can tell you, I was, oh, I'm happy, Lord. We're, we're good right where we are. I can look back over things in my life that, oh, my goodness. God's done amazing things in our church, my personal life, that I could not have learned any other way. But if God had asked me up front, this is my plan. Are you good with this? I would never have said, yeah, sign me up. God knows better than that. We like to kind of control our lives, don't we? Nobody here would do that but me, right? Right. I want to, yeah, I want to make it safe. I want to make it comfortable. I want to make it convenient. And our gardener knows exactly how hard our hearts are and how much toil and, and, and effort needs to be put into getting us all broken up. You remember that phrase to break up your 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 fallow ground, to break up your your heart, your lives, and make it open for God? God has to break us up. He has to bring us to the end of ourselves. He has to continually remind us that we don't have all the answers. We're, we're a pretty big challenge. Y'all do know that not for God, but I mean, we are, we're a mess, but our God loves us so much. He'll do exactly what we need. So he allows our world to be turned upside down. He allows us to get to the end of ourselves. And that's really where life with him begins, right? Right. Now, I would love to say we can just do that voluntarily and never have a problem. The problem is, while that theoretically is true and biblically is true, most of us are too sinful to do that. If things go good long enough, we get our way long enough, we, we leave God in the mix, but we're used to calling the shots over, yeah, we need this. And God says, no, 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 no. I've got to leave you living at the end of yourself. Broken up, knowing that your only hope for life And true living comes when you don't rely upon yourself and turn to yourself, but you let my word into your life and you find in me and in it what you'd never find on your own. So the ground is all broken up. The life is all messed up and then the seed is planted and the seed then does amazing things. It begins to produce a harvest where you wouldn't have expected It begins to produce something that is so significant that you never could have dreamed it. It's a treasure more vast than anything you could hold in your hand. It's what God does in your life. Now, he says these things to us, to his children. He said, everything else that I want to show you in parables, it's all important. But if you don't get this, you're going to miss it all. My word for your life is the catalyst of unlocking God and all that he is and all that he wants to do. So the question for us today is, do we want a life bigger than anything we could produce? Do you want a God-sized harvest or do you just want our best, which will never be good enough in reality? Is there something in us that yearns to... See on a, a regular daily basis, the wonder of God and what God only can do. He says, well, this is for you. If you're saved, you might just be relying on intellects and you're just saying, God, that doesn't apply. He says, my suggestion, my word for you is you need to stop being that kind of person. and Say, God, if you say it, I'll accept it rather than trying to figure out whether it's right or not. He said, now, if you're that kind of person that you're just kind of happy for the moment, but you tend to be an emotional roller coaster back and forth, then you just say, God, if you speak, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do what you've asked in my life. If you're that person who loves the Lord, you're here. But, you know, in your heart, those things that you're holding on to, that it's a constant strain, a tug of war. And you just never really there. God says, come on, let go of it. Let's get rid of the thorns. Let's clear things out. He says, I want to move into your life. I want to break it up. I want to bring you to the end of yourself. And I want to plant seed. I want to plant truth. And if you will learn that truth, it will change the rest of your life. It will make all the other things God says just make sense. So what do we do? I think we have it for you. Yeah, I don't know. Let me give you three suggestions. All right. Very simple. And my little things not going there, so it doesn't matter. Here are the three suggestions. See. Listen. Hear. Know what God is saying. So often we just kind of go through the motions and we sit there and we let it go. Just like that. And we miss it. Find out what God is saying in your life. Find out what he wants to do. He's working and 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 guys, literally when he does what he wants, it unlocks everything else. So number one, seek it. Listen to God and see what he's saying. But here's the second thing. You're here this morning. You're following your daily devotionals. You're doing some of those things, but it's, that's not enough. When you seek it, then then secondly, trust him and his word. Instead of trying to say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to study your word today and then I'll figure out whether or not I want to do it. I got a simpler solution. God, if you tell me, I'll do it. Okay, Don't think about it. Just do it. Lord, my heart's open. My life is broken. I don't have the answers you do. So I'm going to try to find out what you want for me today. And then number two, when you tell me, I will do it. I will do it. I'll make that change. I'll make that commitment. It might be something big that scares me to death. It might be something so small that i say, oh, God, that's not that important. Quit thinking. God, if you will speak and your word will be clear, I will do it. Okay? Number one, find out what God's saying, right? Got it? What is the seed? What is the word of the kingdom? What is God? Listen, it's 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 counterproductive or counterintuitive. It is upside down. God says, if you want, if you want to get, what do you do? Do you hang on? No, you give. Everything God tells us is is against the flow of our world. He says that's why it's so difficult. That's why so many people hear it and they just goes right over their head. But unto you, I'm giving you the secret. Figure out what God's saying, then dare to trust God. That his word is worth obeying. And then here's the third thing, real simply. If you're going to do it, do it today. Start today. The most difficult step, the most important step that you can take in your walk with the Lord is that next one. Sometimes it's the first one. All right. And if God's put in your heart, I've been some of that soil. Matter of fact, there's a little bit of all that mixed into my garden of a life. I'm struggling with some of these things, but I want everything God has to be. I want that 30 fold. I want that 60 fold. I want that life that only God can create. God says, great. I want it for you. That's why I gave this to you. Will you learn what I'm saying? Will you trust me when I do speak? And will you, when he, when it happens, take that next step today. Salvation, today's the day. Children of God, it's given to us. Most of the world, it just goes right over their head. He says, I've given this to you and I'm fixing to unlock your life with potential you'd never dreamed of, a treasure greater than I can tell you, but it's not always easy. The gardener knows when to break things up and when to bring us the end of ourselves. It's always worth it though. Will you learn, listen, seek? Will you commit and obey? And will you start today? If you will, oh, the master gardener, our incredible God is working in your life and in mine to do more than he's ever done before, to do something we could never do. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. We pray that it's made sense that even listening to me with the challenge of a little bit different dialect, Lord, that you would, that, that, it, that it's been clear that you've spoken And then, Lord, I pray that you give us now clarity of heart and mind to hear you, to know what you're asking, and to trust you as you lead. Lord, I don't know any life here, but you know us all. And we just pray that you will speak, that you will direct as we leave this place, and you will accomplish in us exactly what you intend for us. Thank you for joining us today on the PC Speaking Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Through the Bible in a Year. If you have found this helpful, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. It is our hope and prayer that every episode helps enrich your relationship with God and His Word.